the series is about choices. Choices. Have you ever thought about how many decisions you make in a day? There have been all kinds of studies about how many choices and decisions we make each and every single day. And research says that you can make up to 35,000 different choices and decisions in a day. You know, I read that earlier this week. I thought, man, that's why I am so tired all the time. It, it starts from the time you open your eyes, right? You start making decisions and choices, all kinds of them. And it's nonstop all throughout the day. And I even think of that in terms of the information age. We've got all this stuff coming at us. We're always thinking about things, making choices. We make hundreds of choices a day about what we're going to eat or drink or not. It's amazing. And out of those 35,000 or so choices that we make, we make a lot of choices, a lot of choices about whether or not we're going to follow God, whether or not he's going to be a part of our lives, whether or not we're going to grow in him or not, whether or not we're going to learn and grow and be people who are morally and ethically spiritual and in line with God's word and God's truth. And that's why we're taking time in this series to look at those choices in fundamental ways and things that we make choices about. Started two weeks ago, Pastor Kathy shared truth from Matthew 28, great commission about making disciples. We have a choice to do that, to live out and be people of purpose or not, to connect people to Jesus Christ to help them grow, equip them. We have a choice to do that or not. As a body of Jesus Christ and then individually. Last week we looked at another choice that's fundamental, foundational to being a follower of Jesus, and that is to pray. We looked at the truth of Acts 2.42 and then in Luke 11, very specifically, it's about whether or not we do pray. And not only that, as Jesus teaches in Luke 11 about what to pray for and then how we pray. And we have choices about that. We have choices to spend time with God in prayer or not. And we have choices to pray for what he teaches us to pray about or not. And we have choices and make choices about how we pray. Do we go deep? Do we not? All kinds of choices. And today we're going to continue looking at a, a fundamental choice that we make as followers of Jesus, and that is to grow or not. Really, really simple. It's a choice that we make. I love um, truth that comes out of Hebrews 5, verses 1 to 4, and it speaks about that choice. It speaks about so many at that particular time still being infants and needing milk because that's what they chose. They chose not to mature, not to grow, and not to eat solid food truth that would help them be a mature follower of Jesus Christ and live a purpose-filled life. And, and the writer is saying, what's up? How come you're still drinking milk? Why did you make that choice? And I think that's true for the church today, to ask those questions what choices are we making? And so before we get into this, this truth, and we're going to look at a couple of different places, all out of Acts 2 and two examples, the example of Acts 2 church and then the example of Jesus himself to 
to look at how we can grow and the choice to grow. But first, a couple of questions. Is that a priority for you? That's the first one. Is growing spiritually a priority to you? Is it important? And I I think everybody at some level might say, well, sure it is. And then I would just ask, well, so what are you doing about it? How are you growing? What are the choices that you're making? How are you growing spiritually? What's going on in your life? What's your life response to God's grace? How are you seizing the opportunity to equip yourself to learn and know more about him and about yourself? as a follower of Jesus. Simple questions, things to think about. Something that God hopes indeed that we make a choice to do. And all of the truth that's offered in his word is is given as both a challenge and an encouragement. So as we get started this morning looking at truth, I hope that's how you receive it that you receive it as both a challenge and an encouragement. So open up your hearts to hearing what it is that God wants to share and give to you this morning as truth. We're going to start with the very first verse that we did last week, Acts 2.42. Hear the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Last week we looked at this verse and focused on that last part, to prayer, that they devoted themselves to prayer. And this week I want to look at that very first part of the verse. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. Again, thinking of the word devoted as, as being defined as something that is steadfast and has an eagerness attached to it. When you're devoted to something, it's something that you want to do. It's something that you get excited about. That's the example of the Acts 2 church about growth, spiritual growth. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And it was a choice that they made, and it's a choice that we have. We have a choice to learn from gifted teachers or not. It's that simple. So in some ways, people would say, well, we don't have the apostles, we don't have Jesus around us anymore. And I would say, well, sure, that's true in one sense. I mean, we have his word, we have the Holy Spirit. We're so much more blessed, I think, than even those followers of Jesus Christ in that first church, the Acts 2 church. Because God has surrounded us and given us all different kinds of opportunities to access people that he is blessed with the spiritual gift of teaching. I I think about that uh, throughout my life, and then I think about where it's at today. It's incredible. So many different opportunities. People that are gifted teachers that you can access, that you can learn from all over the place. Podcasts, blogs, books, conferences, seminars, Bible studies, all different kinds of ways to take from people that have the gift of teaching and learn from them. It's powerful. God has made that so available to us. And I love that, that Rehoboth has, has given a gift to everybody here called Right Now Media that you have the opportunity to access thousands of different resources 
to go in and, and learn about uh, basically anything that you'd want to about God's Word and truth. Really, really powerful stuff. Just all different kinds of places that we can go to. But it's a choice. You can either take the time or not. You can either do it or not. There has to be a, a desire there. That's that example, again, of the actual church they devoted themselves. It's what they wanted to do. What, it's what was important to them. And we have, just like we have those 35,000 choices, think about what that all means. It, it's a wide swath of, of things that you're deciding to do or not to do, um, who you're deciding to be or not to be. And there's a lot more there that, that you make choices about rather than spiritual choices. And yet, where is that? How much time is given to that each and every day or in your life? It's something to think about. Because it's a fundamental part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that he allows us indeed to grow is through gifted teachers. Now, there's an example here in Acts 2. Obviously, Jesus spent a lot of time teaching his disciples, sharing with them so they can learn and that they can grow. Really, really important. And I share that as one of the, the four ways, a foundational way for you to be able to grow and to learn. Now, there's an important part to this that you can't miss and I think of the truth that's given in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. And it's about learning and who it is that you're learning from. And when we talk about spiritual growth, it has to be from spiritual truth, meaning God's Word. That passage in, in 2 Timothy speaks about people who have this understanding, and it's a cultural way of looking at things, I'm going to figure out how I can take God's truth and fit it into my life. There's a problem with that. It should be the other way around. We should be figuring out how our life meshes and works with God's truth. That's the absolute. But that's not the cultural mantra. It's not the way that people do things today. And that passage speaks about gathering all kinds of teachers around you to teach you what your itchy ears want to hear. And so not only is there a, an incredible amount of people in a growing trend to try to get Scripture to fit their life, but there's also countless and thousands of teachers who tell you that's okay. That's not what God shares, though. That's not what God teaches. He shares something different. About learning from, from His Word. And people that he's given the gift to teach us about it and about him. It's a powerful, powerful thing to think about and a great privilege and a great opportunity. You know, I, I, as I prepared and have done so often and, and just sit and think about all of the people, all of the people that gave a part of who they were to me, to help me learn and grow. And it's a never-ending process. A lifelong learner. It's a humbling thing, but it's a great thing. 
to know that God puts different people in place in your life to teach you and to help you to know about him more and about who he's calling you to be. It's a great, great truth. And a foundational means by which we can grow. So think about that. How am I utilizing that in my life? Learning from other teachers. Here's the second choice, another way to learn to grow, and it comes out of Acts 2.44. The verse says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. In verse 45, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. So there's something inherent about that that has to do with growth, spiritual growth. It's about learning from each other. We have that choice to learn from each other or not. Whether or not someone who is there with you has that gift of spiritual growth, uh, of spiritual teaching or not. We can learn from other people. And we learn just by being with them. So I have a a question for you, and and I I know this was true for me as a parent. If you're a a parent or um, had children or maybe grandchildren now, or if you're right there and you have children that that are younger, um, are you concerned about who it is that they're hanging out with, that they're learning from? Yeah, there's no parent alive that has ever went through having children that wouldn't say yes to that. And there's some real tension there. Because you can't choose your children's friends. You can't force them to have the friends that you want. And yet you realize that there are some situations and some relationships that they have that aren't that healthy and good. And you're concerned about it. It has a lot to do with about who it is that you are and what you're teaching them. But why is that a problem? That's the focus and the truth, point of this truth in this passage and all throughout Scripture. It's because we learn from each other. We have sayings about that, rubbing off on one another. And the reason that that's a concern and why why we struggle with that sometimes is because we know that that's true. And so so how do we resolve that in life? And by the way, it's something that I've had... um, that, that have, people have come to, be, to me and t- asked me about all the way throughout my ministry, a lot when I was in youth ministry, a youth pastor, but then all throughout ministry. Maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's an environment, maybe it's a, a friend that you've had for a long time, a, a lot of people that I had the privilege to, to share in Christ with, and then they start to grow and they have their lives changed, and they're like, you know, this is a problem because I have this set of friends, and they're my friends, and I don't want to leave them behind. I don't think this is... And so there's this tension Because we know that that's true. We learn from each other. There's influence and things that we learn just by hanging out with people. And we have to recognize that that's a truth and that's a reality, and we can have that happen in a a not good way or in a good and great way. We just need to recognize that's true, and we have the choice We have the choice of learning from others. What does that mean then that we're hanging out and we're learning from other followers of Jesus Christ? That's what the early church did. That's what the disciples did with Jesus all the time. They they were walking together, living together, eating together. 
So they, they were learning and growing, and they were influencing, and those things were bouncing off of each other, and they were seeing things that, that their friends did in that group, and that they said, man, I, that's something that is important to me or something that I should learn from, and we, we know that that's true and real. And so now that tension that comes in sometimes, and this is a question I got asked a lot from young people as well, is well, what about hanging out with non-Christians and people, I mean, that's something that we're called to do, right? And that's what Jesus did, right? Well, yeah, he did. He got a lot of garbage for it, too. Pharisees were always telling him, why are you hanging out with those guys? Why do you eat with sinners? And so, so that question is posed in terms of, well, if we're supposed to do that, how, how can my parents tell me to never hang out with people who aren't Christians. And you know what my answer was? Are you Jesus? And I didn't ask that question facetiously because then there was more conversation. Are you the strong one? Are you that strong in your faith, in your knowledge of God, that you can be the influencer rather than be the one who's being influenced? Are you the one that can teach by example of the things that you're learning and that you're then owning that aren't maybe in line with God's word and truth? See, that's the bottom line. Yes, it's good and it's great to hang out with people necessarily that, I'm not going to say church because I don't think we have it all together. (laughs) There's a lot of things that we can learn and grow in. But people who are striving to follow Jesus are not. And it's an important thing to do and have as a part of your life. And indeed, to, to connect people to Jesus, to share Jesus Christ, just as he did. To have those relationships. But you need to be careful in them. So whether you're in a work environment or you have friends, whatever, you have to ask yourself those questions. Am I the salt and the light? Am I the one doing the influencing? Am I strong enough to take Jesus with me? It's kind of just what Mark said. Are, are you asking the questions? Are you having those conversations about a life in Christ and knowing God? And it is important things to think about. Why? Because we learn from each other. It's a foundational way that we learn. There's a lot of um, Barna research about that. And it dovetails with the next thing that I would share as a, as a way, a foundational way in which we can learn. And I'll read for you Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That kind of goes right along with spending time with each other and learning from each other, being influenced by others in Jesus Christ. And it is about experiences. We can grow spiritually from our experiences and engagement or not. It depends on what those experiences and that engagement is. About serving. About being someone who indeed is... is is doing things that honor God in our heart and in our life or not. 
There's, there's a lot of truths about that. And that's what Jesus was all about. He wanted people to grow spiritually because they were involved. They were being hands and feet. And so when he taught his disciples, he just didn't give them the book knowledge. He got them involved. He, he said this after washing their feet, John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you know what he says next? Now that you know these things, you would be good to do them. So you've seen what happened here. You experienced what I did for you. So now go and do it. Be that person who washes somebody's feet. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. He's got things waiting, opportunities, ways that you can, as you serve and just be engaged in ministry, that you can learn about him, who he is, the spirit working in and through you, and about who you are. That's one of the things I say about gift-based ministry. And, and sometimes people are, are, are a little bit resistant to that, especially people who've been in the church a while. I don't get it. I'm not filling one of those things out. You're going to make me do something. I think that's the point. You discover your great worth to God. That's the truth of it. Not to have warm bodies, but to figure out how God knit you together fearfully and wonderfully to be, to be a blessing, to be a joy, to show somebody who Jesus Christ is just by your willingness. It's powerful. It's awesome. And that's what it is that God shares all throughout his, his word. Serving, being, engaging. That's what the Acts 2 church was doing. And that's the truth that Jesus taught his disciples. Remember after he fed the 5,000 too, or during that story? They, they, they look and they see all the people and they come to Jesus and they say, hey, send them home. What does he say? Do you remember his first thing? This is in Matthew 14. It's recorded in a couple different gospels. In Matthew 14, he speaks about um, that event, that occurrence, and then he says this when they come to him and say, hey, send them home. He says, uh, you feed them. <laughs> now, Jesus added a little firepower to that experience, but the disciples were the ones who gathered up the bread and broke it and distributed it. And they learned something that day. And of all the ways that we can learn, we can learn by writing things down, we can learn by seeing things, we can learn by hearing things, but nothing engages who it is that we are. We learn the most from participation, from experiences by hand on. And so that's why Jesus did that. Those are the examples. That's another foundational way that we can learn, that we can grow simply by rolling up our sleeves and being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Powerful. Powerful things to think about, engaging. And here's a, a truth again by a, a Barna study. 
people are learning experientially in the church, but it's um, church people, I should say, but it's not necessarily in a good way. Listen to this. 51% of people who identify as followers of Jesus or who attend church on a regular basis are learning from engaging um, with other world religions and people in them and then forming their their values and their faith based on those experiences. The number one thing that they're learning about or that they're proclaiming in terms of what is from those experiences is that we all serve one God. Not true. Uh, the, the, the God of Islam is not the God of the Bible. And I could go on and on. So um, important experiences, engagements, Here's another statistic. Um, 54% of all followers of Christ, this is, this is startling, now hold to truth being anything that's verifiable. Did you hear that? So um, logic and reason, the things that I experience is that I can grab a hold of. I know that this is a speaker because I got my hand on it. I know that this is... Um, Electrum because I got my hand on it. I know that you're here because I can see you. Um, so that's what is true. That's how I learn it, by being able to verify it. Big problem with that, though. That's not what Scripture teaches. It teaches about faith. It teaches about the promises of God and about what can be. And those are the things that we can learn about. And how we learn about God is by believing and trusting in all of his promises. Yet 54% of people, so if we were to do a count, I'm not going to do it. Where are you at with that? Last one, 67% of people have faith and values that are formed by the human experience. And that means simply living life. So they form opinions, belief system based on just everyday life and what they bump into and what they encounter. And the Barna study then further revealed that that means that they're embracing culture and the truths and the lifestyles of culture. Again, um, who's doing the influencing and who are we learning from? So there's, there's a tremendous challenge that God gives in his word about learning and about growing and about what truth is. What do you want you to know about him and who he's calling you to be? So powerful, so profound. And we have the opportunity and we make the choices to learn that way or not. Three things, gifted teachers, learning from each other, learning from engagement and experiences, and one last one, and it's what we spent a lot of time on last week, so I'll be brief with it. It's about being with God. I want to read this passage out of Matthew 14. This is right after, of course, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus teaches the disciples by engaging them, and then he teaches them this way. Listen to this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side when he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. 
See, Jesus learned by going to the Father, his heavenly Father, and spending time with him. We can take the time to be alone with God and grow or not. It's a choice. One of the things that I hear so often, whether it's about serving in ministry or just whatever the case is, and, and I think it's one of the one of the things that Satan uses so effectively in terms of the church being the church. And it's about time. I'm too busy. My calendar is full. I get that. I'm right there with you. And it's a difficult thing. And they're all good things that God gives you to enjoy and make choices about, right? Spend time doing. But I would submit to you that you have the same 24 hours that I or anybody else does. You can use that 24 hours in any way, shape, or form. It's your call. It's your choice. God challenges you and encourages you to use that choice to learn about him, to spend time with him, to get into his word, to pray, to have the conversations. You want to know about who you are. You want to know about your life. You want to think about your future. Make a choice. Make a choice to grow and to learn from the one who gave you the very life that you're looking forward to, whatever that means. Choices, choices, choices. We have so many choices. I hope that as we think about knowing God, we make a wise choice. We learn from gifted teachers. We learn from others. We learn from being engaged and having godly experiences. And we learn from taking the time to be with him, to pray and to grow. Here's, here's something that I share to you as a promise or as a given. If you take time to grow spiritually in any one of those areas, and most certainly, most certainly time to grow with him, to spend time with God in prayer and in his word, you will never regret it. Make the choice to grow. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, we spend our time doing so many different things. Things that are good and awesome. We thank you for the choices you give us. The things that we can experience and enjoy in this thing called life. You are a good God and you are so gracious. God, help us not to forget the very best. To let the good inhibit the best. To get in the way of the best. To crowd out the best. And that is you. Help us, O Lord, to make a choice to learn, to have that steadfast devotion, that passion that was talked about even by our young people. Inside, 
fire lit and flamed to know you, to know you more, more intimately, personally, to follow and be led. In your holy and precious name.